Well, good day to everyone. I want to welcome you. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited that you made a decision to turn on today's podcast and you made a decision to to listen in. Um, today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to take a break from the book of James and it, it is the time I'm recording this is December 1st. And, you know, we just came off of Thanksgiving last week and we are headed into or we are already in the Christmas season and, and, you know, really what we would call the holidays, right? As we dive into uh, this time of the year, you know, it's such a good time for us to reflect. It's such a good time for us to look back um, and and look at everything so far, everything thus far, everything up to this point in our lives, everything up to this point in this year, right? It's just a good time to reflect. And, and that's kind of why I want to pause our study of James. We're going to come back to James. Okay, so so if you were enjoying that study, uh, I hope that you would let me know. Um, but we're going to come back to that. We're, you know, I think we're going to be in James 4 when we come back. But over the next several weeks, um, or as long as I have the opportunity to share uh, via the podcast here, I'm going to be talking um, kind of uh, about the birth of Christ, kind of about that time, specifically kind of talking about the, uh, the star a little bit. If, you, if you're in my Sunday school class, you know that um, in December, as we did last year, just as we're going to do this year, we're going to watch a documentary about the star of Bethlehem. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating documentary. Um, but, but as you get to thinking about it, as you get to reading the Bible, we start to understand that the star of Bethlehem was actually um, uh, a historical event. It was a historical event, and um, obviously I don't have the video to show you, um, but we can kind of talk about some things that I, that I want to touch on. And um, If you have your Bibles, I'd ask that you go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 2. Um, this will kind of just be uh, uh, our foundation uh, where, we're going to, where we're going to start, and... In Matthew chapter 2, it starts in verse 1 saying, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came from Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That was actually quoted from Micah 5.2. Verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So it appeared at a specific time. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. 
Then, opening their treasures, I offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, I also want to take a look at uh, the birth of Christ, uh, the account given to us in Luke, uh, which to me is, is, is perhaps the most famous account. Uh, anytime I read about or hear someone talking about the birth of Christ, uh, they always reference Luke. Um, and in chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse 1, Luke chapter 2. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first regi registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Ju Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Wow. What a true blessing it is that God sent his son to this earth. Right? And we know that to be to be Jesus. Now, now those two passages we read and Matthew and, and in Luke, you know, that, that's just kind of, just kind of the summary, I guess, of, of the birth of Christ. Um, but as you know, we're studying about the star, right? Um, and I want to talk a little bit, um, I don't want us to focus on the star itself, right? In, in Matthew, there's several details about the star, which hopefully we'll get to touch on at a later point. But I want to talk about Understanding who Jesus is, understanding who God is. Right? There's there's some things that that in this world that tend to prove that the Bible is true. Okay, Ex external evidence. Okay, things outside the Bible that tend to prove that the Bible is true. Okay, I want you to think in Psalms chapter fifty three. Psalms chapter fifty three. Uh, the Bible says the writer says the fool says in his heart there is no God. Okay, the fool says in his heart there is no God. And, and, and in Psalms 19, the very famous passage, it says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Now, what does that mean? I want you to think what it means that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. What does that tell us about God? Right? What does that tell us about creation? It tells us that we can look out at God's creation and we can see and we can understand that there's something greater than us. There's something more than just us. Right? Romans 1 puts it this way. Paul says, God's divine power and nature have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world so they are without excuse. Listen, I don't know how he does it. I don't have a clue how he does it. It ain't for me to know, but I believe everyone, everyone, everyone has been exposed to the Creator in some form or fashion. Sure, some have been exposed more than others, obviously. 
Right? But everyone knows there's something greater than them. Everyone has been exposed to the creator of this universe. Everyone. I don't know how he does it, and it's not for me to know how he does it. Right? But, but what they do with that information, what they do with that feeling, what they do with that, what, what they experience with that experience, what they do with that is completely up to them. But we have to understand there is evidence of God outside the Bible. There's evidence of God in creation. There's evidence, you know, you think about uh, uh, things outside the Bible that prove the Bible is true. We have documents, we have manuscripts outside of the Bible that prove things in the Bible happened. Okay, there's things outside the Bible that prove the Bible happened. The Star of Bethlehem, right, a historical event uh, is one thing. But think about, think about Jesus, I want to ask you, what year is it? If you're listening to this, it's either going to be 2022 or later. All right? 2022 years since when? Since the birth of Christ, right? Since Christ's birth. 2022 years since Christ's birth. This single man marks a passage of time. He is the turning point in history. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is past and the new has come. Right? There's a turning point. There's a turning point. Not only is there, was there a turning point in time, but, but there's a turning point. There's a, there's a separation from unrighteousness and righteousness. There's a separation from lies and truth. And that separation is Jesus. Right? In Christ, the Bible teaches us you are not someone who you used to be. In Christ, there's been a change. There's been an immaculate and a miraculous change within whenever you believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. There's a change that happens. So as you think about the star of Bethlehem, as you think about the star of Bethlehem, how fitting would it be that when Christ entered this world, Something immaculate, something miraculous would happen just as like, just like when Christ entered your life. You say, how, you know, what was immaculate about the star? We don't have very much time to go into it. But if you go back to Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the wise men say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. There is something significant about this star. They said when it rose, okay, this, this star does something very specific. It rose. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? He missed it. Right, why would he have missed the star? Right, there's something significant about the star. As you keep reading through there, it happened, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had, had appeared. So it appeared at a very specific time. What time would that be? Keep looking with me in Matthew chapter 2. Verse 9, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. So it does something there. It went before them. And then it came to rest over the place where Jesus was. Okay, so we get all these descriptions of what the star does. Okay, 
Uh, and obviously, as we study in class, we're going to be taking a closer look um, from a scientific perspective. From a, from a scientific uh, perspective. Uh, but, but something immaculate happened. Something miraculous happened in the skies that night whenever Jesus entered into this world. Something immaculate happened, something miraculous happened in your life whenever Jesus entered into your life. When you confessed Jesus, you submitted yourself to Jesus. Right? We believe God created the heavens and the earth. And we know, you know, you think about science, right? Kepler, Johannes Kepler, back in the 15 or 1600s, he discovered the math and the calculations behind uh, uh, the, the planetary position. Okay, he, he discovered the laws of planetary motion, right? And in its most simplified version, that is the ability to calculate precise planetary position. For example, how did we know the eclipse was going to happen a few years ago? If you were, uh, live in the same area I do, you remember there was, a, I guess, a solar eclipse a few years ago where the sun was completely blocked by uh, the moon and uh, I think it was like 52 seconds total right we knew exactly when it was going to happen and we knew exactly how long it was right just about 60 miles uh, east of us it was blocked for like two minutes and 28 seconds or something like that how did we know that that was going to happen well in advance how do we know when the next one's going to happen it's because it can be calculated Right? And if we know that God created the universe and we, we can calculate, and people much smarter than I, we can calculate the precise planetary position, right? What does that tell us about God? It tells us He's a God of order. It tells us He's a God of precision. He's a God of uh, accuracy. He's systematic. He, you know, it, it, it's regulated. Right? It's a law of planetary motion. Right? It's sure, it's fact, it's law. But just because God is calculated, just because God is price, uh, precise, doesn't mean we can put God in a box. You follow me? Like, you know, we believe in, you know, Isaiah says, Isaiah says, not one of his stars is missing. What does it mean to be missing? It means to be out of place. You're telling me not one of those billions upon trillions upon bazillion stars are missing no nothing is missing because the bible is truth yet we live in a world that denies a creator we live in a world that believes in all things chaotic which makes no sense we live in a world where people believe in the big bang well let me tell you bang jesus spoke it into existence and here it came right he is the creator we live in a world where the fool says in his heart there is no god and sometimes so many people, Christians, myself included, we get focused on the situation. We get focused on the circumstance. We get focused on the fire and the destruction in our life. And we tend to say, where's God? Now follow me. Where was God on September 11th, 2001? Where was God when my marriage failed? Where was God when my marriage was struggling? Where was God when we were diagnosed with cancer? Where is God when my when I was going through these financial burden, burdens? Where was God when my child was wayward? Where was God during all this? And yet somewhere between God creating this world and our problems, somewhere between God molding and forming intricately and weaving a child in the womb and my problems, somewhere between that God and my problem 
We think he's out taking a nap. We think he's at the concession stand. We think he's taking a break. Listen, we think he formed everything, wound it all up, clicked play, put it in motion, and walked away. But let me tell you, my friends, that is an unfaithful an incorrect belief of the God that we serve. That's a 1 Kings 18 belief. Where is he? Oh, he must be relieving himself. Perhaps he's on a stroll. Perhaps he's sleeping and hasn't been awakened yet. Listen, that is not a biblical perspective of the God that we serve. So why do we act that way? Why do we act that way? We have to understand who God is. Psalms 100 is a psalm of thanksgiving if you want to take a look at it. In verse 3, Psalms 100, it says, It is He who made us and we are His. That means God is our Creator. In the beginning, God created. Boom, bang, existence. God created. Verse 27, Genesis 1, 27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God is our Creator. Psalms 100 then says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. If we are his people and we are his sheep, that makes him our shepherd. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. See, the truth about God is that God creates things. He molds things. He forms things into existence. But then he continues to sustain. He continues to endure. He continues to encourage. He continues to build up and to support. The problem is we lose focus. We take our eyes off the prize. The problem is the enemy creeps in. The enemy creeps in to steal your joy. The enemy creeps in to kill your peace. The enemy creeps in to destroy who you are. He wants to steal your children. He wants to, 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 to kill your fire for Jesus. He wants to destroy your job. Your finances, your relationship, your marriage. Be careful, little eyes, what you look at. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, tongue, what you say. The enemy can creep in. It's a slow fade, right? The enemy can creep in. The truth of who God is is that He's always faithful. What if we get in pursuit of that? What if we remember that perspective? What if we get in... In pursuit of that. See, he just doesn't create and, and step away and step out of the picture. He is still at work in your life. He is still orchestrating. He is still shaping you. He is still molding you. Right? James says, my brothers, consider it joy when you face trials because the testing of your what? Your faith produces endurance. It produces steadfastness. It leads us down that path of spiritual perfection and spiritual maturity despite what you've done despite your sins despite your failures god hasn't left you god hasn't stopped working he is still active and he is still alive a promise that's taken out of context a lot of times it's romans 8 28 which says we know that all things work together for good for those who love him first of all for those who love him first of all you must be a believer you must confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Believe that in your heart. Right? You must be a believer. But it says all things work together for good. Let me tell you something. Good doesn't always mean happiness. Good doesn't always mean peaceful. Good doesn't always mean financially successful. What that means is every moment of suffering in this life, every moment of pain and waiting in this life is meaningful. 
It's not wasted. It is pushing you to the ultimate good. It is pushing you to the purpose for which we're here, which Isaiah 43, 7 says, the purpose we are here is to bring glory to God. It is pushing you to spiritual maturity. It is pushing you to spiritual perfection. See, God is a hands-on God, intimately involved in every detail and every aspect of your life, no matter how chaotic your perspective is, no matter how big the fiery furnace is, no matter how deep the hole is. See, we can walk away from this message, this birth of Jesus, with so much more. You know, if just talking about the star of Bethlehem. We can walk away with so much more than the just, just a star. It's about seeing God for who He is. He is our Creator and He is our Shepherd. He is orchestrating every detail of your life. Every aspect of your life. Right, we can have confidence. We can rest in assurance. That God sustains. God is orchestrating the universe. And how much more precious are you that He would give His Son for you? Once we begin to understand God as an orchestrator, we can then begin to understand the star and just how far He will go, one, to honor His Son. Say, so how did He honor His Son? He, by, by sending Him to a sin-filled world. You, you think He would just give His Son up without giving Him a proper introduction in the skies and the heavens where God's glory is known? There's something immaculate that happened in the heavens. When Jesus entered in. Let me tell you my friends. There's something immaculate. That happens in your life. That happens in your heart. When you allow Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. Once we begin to understand God as an orchestrator. We can begin to understand. How far he will go to provide for you. And to have a relationship with you. Just how far did he go. He went to Mount Calvary. He was nailed to a wooden cross. He paid the penalty of sin that if you just believe, you shall be saved. Because if He's in control of all that in the skies, then He can be in control of your life. And let me tell you, my friends, there ain't no one else I want running my life than King Jesus. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope that you find this to be encouraging to you today. Allow me to pray over you. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this time to open up the Bible, open up your word and just study. And God, I pray that whoever is listening to this, Father, you light a fire under them. You give them, uh, you give them joy. You give them uh, peace. You give them confidence. You give them assurance and boldness, Father, to go and proclaim your gospel. If someone's listening and they don't know you, Father, I pray that you meet them right where you are. Convict them, Father. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. Because there is no other name other than Jesus. I love you and I thank you. In Christ's name, amen.